Once upon a time, tiles would just fit into your home quietly and without a fuss. But I'm here to say that tiles are no longer just functional. They can add such personality and depth into our homes. But where can you find stunning tiles without breaking the bank? And how do you lay them without breaking the tile? I'm Laura Jackson and welcome to So How Do You, your podcast for practical interiors advice and guidance from industry experts. In every episode, I'll be delving into a different area of interior design so that you can make design decisions with confidence. In this episode, I'll be speaking to interior designer and tile obsessive Alexandra Dawley about the different types of tiles and creative ways to use them. We'll then be chatting to Lizzie Adams, who is the owner of the Adams Family Renault Instagram account, about making amazing statements with tiles and how to look after them. And finally, we have a catch up with professional tiler Ken Hudson about the do's and don'ts when laying your tiles. It's time to whip out the grout. So how do you tile your home? If you know me, you know my life is a little bit hectic. At home, I've got John, two very small people and a dog. And they are not good for keeping things clean, especially the rugs. So let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Ruggable. The rugs in my house get an absolute battering from mucky paws, the kids dropping all kinds of everything everywhere, and just general wear and tear of everyday life. Let's face it, you don't get someone in to clean your rugs every other month, and they don't fit in the washing machine. But then I was introduced to Ruggable. I put a Ruggable Jonathan Adler number in the kids' room, and I haven't looked back. It easily pops in the washing machine and comes out brand new. The Sudafed stain, gone. The Calpol half spilled everywhere, no problem. Having a rug that I can clean myself, dry and put back in the kids' room with minimal effort is my kind of cleaning. Now, if only I could put the kids and the husband in there as well. If you're a busy bee like me and you're looking for minimal effort but with maximum style, then head over to ruggable.co.uk to check out their gorgeous selection of rugs. And Ruggable, no, I love a bargain. Yes, I do. So they have kindly offered a 10% discount to you guys if you use the code LAURA10. That's L-A-U-R-A and the number 10 on their website to get your own washable rug. Let me know how you get on. Let's kick off with Alexandria. She's an interior designer with a soft spot for a good tile. Through seeing photographs of her work and her love letter to tiles on her Instagram, she is the perfect example of showing how endless the options are when it comes to tiling. The colours, the shapes, the grout, even the way you lay them. But don't be overwhelmed because whether you're going minimalist or maximalist, Alexandria knows how to use tiles to add a little something unique to your home. So I cannot wait to pick her brains about all the materials, styles and the execution. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you are a lover of tiles? Yes, so I'm an interior designer and I run my own design business, uh, Dawley Design. And yeah, I absolutely love tiles. Um, I love doing sort of kitchens and bathrooms, but also using tiles in in different ways as well. So uh, yeah. I mean, how do you choose which tiles to use on which surface? Because there's so many shapes, sizes, colours and styles. It sometimes can feel quite overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, there is a huge amount of choice. And I feel like in the last couple of years, that that sort of choice has has just grown exponentially. Um, It really does boil down to the client 
and the brief and what it is they're looking to create, really. Lots of different tiles have different kind of properties in terms of how they're made and their usage. So if you go into a tile shop, lots of the times it'll say these are for walls and these are for floor suitable because of the way that they're made. Um, some are more hard-wearing than others. Um, but really, the the style is is down to the individual. What different materials do you see on the market from your side of things as an interior designer? Yeah, so ceramic um, is probably the tile that we are all most familiar with. It is the tile that most of us have in our homes. It is really, really durable, easy to um, maintain. And there are loads of different styles of ceramic tiles that you can choose from. And they can have unglazed or glazed ceramic tiles. So it really gives a lot of choice. You know, the the metro tile is a ceramic tile and, and obviously everybody knows that one. Then porcelain, you know, porcelain is another tile that lots of us are familiar with so hard wearing it can be used inside and outside um so if you want to create that kind of indoor outdoor look of running the same material right the way through if you were kind of going from a kitchen straight out onto say a patio you could use a porcelain tile for that and they're great as well because they can sort of mimic uh stone and marble um in a porcelain tile which it's obviously much easier to maintain um, the, than the real thing and um, a lot cheaper as well. And then you have your cement tiles and your encaustic tiles, which are absolutely beautiful and they have amazing pigments and patterns and things. Think of all those gorgeous Victorian tiles that we're used to seeing. Um, the only thing with those is that, you know, you do need to seal them quite often. So they're maintenance heavy. Um, so we'll probably use them in in kind of smaller sort of spaces if you're not wanting to do sort of a lot of maintenance. And then obviously you've got your mosaics and, um, you know, your terracotta tiles and everything. So there's there's loads to choose from. I mean, how do you feel about antique tiles or repurposed tiles? Yeah, no, I love them. I think in the right setting, um, they're great. I mean, I just feel, you know, antique tiles, you know, they're so... So, you know, sometimes so delicate and, and and so beautiful and I and I'm seeing a lot of those um being used as well. I think the the cottage core kind of movement that we saw last year was huge. And so a lot of those repurposed tiles were kind of having a resurgence. So yeah, I mean I think in the in the right setting they're they're beautiful. Yeah, I did spend a lot of time in a research hole on eBay looking at those kind of beautiful white tiles with um, hand-painted blue figurines on thinking, where can I put these in my house? I absolutely love them, but I just couldn't, uh, yeah, there wasn't really a place for them. So I had to let that one lie, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I was definitely on board with that trend last year for sure. One thing that I, when I was doing tiling for my house that I hadn't really thought about and no one had told me was grout and how important grout was within tiling. You know, there was so many options when I actually properly looked into it. What do you tell your clients when they are tiling in, in terms of grout and the colour and getting, you know, the overall correct feel? Because you don't want to ruin the tiles with the wrong colour grout. Yeah, grout is massively important. And to be honest, it depends. Do you want your grout to be a statement? Some people do. Some people want to have like, you know, a coloured grout because grout's not just, you know, your whites and your greys. You can have colour grout, you can have pink grout, green grout, 
blue grout you know you can really kind of go to town with it if you want that kind of look also think about where the tiles are going so I tend to say well if you've got a tile on the floor I would steer away from having kind of like a white grout um, just because of dirt and marks and things like that so I tend to go for a slightly darker grout but you need to look at the color of your tile and see what matches. I t- try to match kind of the colour of the tile as close as I kind of can. Or if it's a pattern tile, maybe with a few different variations of colour within it, then try to choose a colour that features in the tile and um, to kind of link it um, all together. But I, as a rule, personally, I quite like my grout to just sort of sit back. Like I just don't see it as being... a the feature. I mean, I I think the tile should be the thing that is on show, unless you are kind of going for maybe a plain tile with a coloured grout just to make it a little bit more jazzy. And then obviously the grout becomes, you know, a bit more of the feature. Are there any places where we can look for specialist grout in terms of good colour palette and samples? Yeah, I mean, if you go to any kind of tile shop, I mean, I use my local tile shop. Um, they're amazing just literally down the road from me um and they normally have like um like a little palette really of of grouts and they come in like little tiny sticks of little of, of all the different colors and they're really really good because you can pick those up in most tile shops as I said um they either normally give you one or you can you can purchase them um and they're li- as I say little tiny sticks I think there's probably about 30 or 40 different colors in the one that I've got and then you can, if you're then looking for grout and you're going around all of your tile shops, you can take your little grout sample pack and then sort of just take each one out and lay it, put it next to the tiles. So you can kind of see how they're sitting next to each other. So, yeah, that's what I would suggest you do. You get a little little grout sample pack from a good tile shop. Yeah, I, I feel like it shouldn't be an afterthought that we should be spending a bit more time thinking about the grout. I mean, I chose the wrong colour grout for my bathroom and I was a bit sad about it. It sounds ridiculous, but um, I, I, I just can't, yeah, I wish I'd spent more time. What can we do if we don't like the grout? How easy is it to change it? Can we change it at all? It's really difficult. It's quite difficult. It's, it's difficult to get rid of it once it's in. And it's quite a big job to sort it out. So I would say this is definitely a measure twice, cut once scenario get it right. So if you're in a tile shop, you know, ask them, can I see the grouts that you would recommend for this tile? And just try and do it at the same time. Who are your favourite tile designers? So um, I love, um, I use the same kind of people just because I love their stuff and they always have great collections. So I love Claybrook. I love Otto. I love, you know, your Mandarin stones and your Domus tiles and, you know, original style are great for kind of Victorian tiles and things like that. So kind of slightly more traditional tiles. And, oh, I love Carpietra. I've used those loads this year in, in my in my projects. They always have a great selection and a huge selection as well. It seems the stakes are high when choosing your tiles and grout, but honestly, I think the moral of the story is never make your grout decision without your tile being present. Make use of those little sticks. I mean, like I just told you guys before, I feel like I made an error with the grouting in my bathroom. I've got a a really nice kind of white 
metro-ish style tile, but the grout just doesn't really work with it. I've had to live with the decision that I made because it's a really expensive mistake, as we've talked about. And I have grown to love it, but I think I wish I'd spent more time thinking about the grout and less time thinking about the actual tile. One thing I think that everyone really needs to think about as well is the upkeep and the maintenance. Now, I'm not sure if you guys have seen on my Instagram, but I've got some hexagonal terracotta vintage tiles, which I got from Maitland and Pope, which I absolutely love. But because they're vintage, they require quite a lot of upkeep and I've actually just rented a steamer to clean them because the mop just doesn't do it. So there's just so many things to think about when you are getting your tiles from the grout to the cleaning and the maintenance. So how can we make something a little different and personal with our tiles? Because it's so easy to slip into the trends that age quickly. How would you best tell a client to make a statement with tiles? Um, Colour pattern uh you know you can lay tiles in so many interesting patterns now um you know it doesn't you know yeah herringbone basket weave chevron um there's so many different ways in which you can lay a tile um so you could choose a relatively sort of plain normal tile but you could just lay it in a really interesting way which will make the room feel feel, feel so different Lots of those coloured tiles are coming in now and you don't have to just stick to sort of like one colour. You could have, you know, a few different colours, maybe in the same kind of shape tile. But say you had like white tiles, but you could like intersperse that with like different, you know, a little bit of that colour and then a little bit of that colour. So then it just kind of breaks up the, the, the white tile. And also having maybe you go for a stronger pattern on the floor and then a plain tile on the wall or vice versa. So there's loads of ways in which you can inject interest into into your tiling. I feel like people do associate tiling with being quite maximalist, but I feel like you can create a really great minimalist look as well with tiles. How would you achieve that look? I mean, the thing that I've loved over the last, I'd say, 18 months, um, and I saw this, first of all, coming through sort of Australian interior design, they were using these um, sort of really linear tiles um, in a lot of their sort of modernist and sort of contemporary spaces. So really linear tiles. A lot of them were sort of just a matte finish in like a white and they were using them like in a stacked pattern. And I just, you know, something so simple as that, but it just looked incredibly elegant. And it was just the same tile just in a stacked pattern, but it made a huge, huge impact and almost allowed everything else to kind of pop out as well if you had some amazing, if in bathrooms in particular, if you had some fantastic cabinetry or something like that. It just gave a beautiful backdrop that was very simple, but very elegant. Mm, That sounds lovely. And also quite a nice way of making tiles timeless because they are expensive and we don't want to be too trend led. So how, how can we, how can we use tiles in a way that feels quite fun and, you know, on trend, but then we'll have life and timelessness behind what we create? I mean, I think if you look through history and you look at tiles that um, have stood the test of time, I mean, you only have to go down into the the underground to see 
our favourite sort of metro tile or crackle glazed kind of uh, rectangular tile. You know, you cannot go wrong with them. They are absolutely beautiful. They come in a, in a range of colourways and they will always look timeless. If you go for a, for a, even a stone effect tile, um, if you were going to have, say, a porcelain but that looked like a marble or, you know, a slate or something like that, again, timeless. You know, they will always um, be in fashion, in vogue and will not, and will not sort of um, go out of style. So I would say... I mean, at the moment, there's this huge trend for a lot of pattern and geometric and things like that, which is great. And I love them and I do use them myself. But if you are wanting to be timeless and I would I would look at the things that are still as popular today as they were sort of, you know, a few hundred years ago. And even, you know, terrazzo. I mean, that's having a moment now. But, you know, you only have to go to Italy to see the use of that material for, you know, literally generations. And it's still there and it still looks beautiful. So, you know, those things you you can't go wrong. If people are using tiles on the floor as well as the walls in a room, how do you get them to complement each other and not fight against each other? Hmm. I mean, I think contrast is the way to kind of go. I mean, lots of people want to wrap the same they can wrap the same kind of material floor and wall you can go for the same kind of thing if you wanted to because lots of the um, tiles are suitable for wall and floor but I quite like a contrast I mean I think if, if, if you're going to use something that's different there needs to be a little bit of a marked difference between them there's nothing worse than going oh did, did they mean to ha- is always oh, that the same or is it not you know, too close. So I think maybe you go for, I mean, my I always tend to go for a slightly larger format tile on the floor just to cut down on the grout. And then maybe a smaller, more decorative tile um, on the wall. I love chatting to Alexandria. I'm so into the fact that she looks to Australian interior designers for inspiration. I can really imagine that Antipodean look that she can achieve on this side of the world. Oh, heavenly. Right, so our next guest is Lizzie Adams, and she has fully embraced the title. I'm talking indoors, outdoors, floors, walls, kitchens bathrooms, fireplaces, I mean the actual works, and she's made some really amazing statements with them using unusual shaped tiles and laying techniques. I wanted to find out from Lizzie where her favourite tiles were from, how she's approached making statements with them, and how she's managed to do such a professional DIY job after a cowboy tiler went MIA. Lizzie, can you tell us a little bit about your home and your approach to renovating it? Yeah, so um, we bought a house two years ago um, and it was a probate house. And so it hadn't been touched since like the 70s. Um, so we had to gut the whole thing. We had to rewire, replumb. Um, there was no room that was that could be saved, really. It had um, like textured wallpaper even on the ceilings. Like it was crazy. And it kind of was a bit of a blessing and a curse because it meant that I didn't feel guilty about ripping out bathroom that I'd probably only just put in been put in five years ago um it just wasn't to our taste I would probably feel a bit bad about having to redo someone else's kind of kitchen and bathroom tastes that wasn't to our taste 
So yeah, it's been like really daunting, but it's been amazing because we've got to kind of experiment and choose each kind of element of every room. I mean, I really wanted to specifically talk to you about tiles because as I can see from your Instagram page, you're a big fan of statement tiling. You've got it on the doorstep, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, on the floors, kind of everywhere throughout the house. So what is it about tiles that you love so much? Do you know what? It's really weird because um, some people on our Instagram page, um, they always comment saying, oh, you're so brave for using such a statement tile. But for me, I feel like um, the bathrooms, to start with the bathrooms, I feel like they're kind of free rooms because they don't really interrupt the flow of the house. And I think you can just go wild in a bathroom. I mean, we went really wild in the main bathroom. We've got wallpaper that's like a, you know, a canthus um, leaf and then we've got geometric tiles on the floor and herringbone on the on the walls but I don't I didn't really feel nervous about just going wild in those rooms and then yeah they're just so versatile and I think they add such a big impact to a room even if you have them in a small space I think they're kind of really amazing to to kind of add a bit of interest to the room if if you don't want to kind of go wild on the walls. I think that you've thought about some really interesting ways with tiles that I hadn't necessarily even given the time to I think that the kind of the splashback in your kitchen those kind of big hexagonal tiles might be something that someone would think of as more a floor tile so how did you kind of experiment yeah I guess when when you're doing it yourself you kind of have a little bit more bravery again to use that word to kind of just experiment and so the third the way that I approach it is that I would make like a digital mood board and I'd get kind of images of all the things I'm thinking about and put them together just to see if they kind of gel and they work nicely together and then I think it's really important to not go ahead and order based on that digital mood board, but to get real samples in and see the colours all together, see the shapes and the textures all together and kind of live with that for a bit. So with our kitchen, I was carrying around a block of wood that had three different colour greens painted on it with the tile, with, you know, one of the door handles and just kind of living with it for a while to decide whether I could commit to that long term. And, and yeah, I mean, we went for it. So <laughs> obviously, uh, yeah maybe the the sample mood board really kind of solidify the fact that we had made the right decision. I really like the idea of using a digital mood board for tiles. Like what, what did you use to create um, this? I use a, um, an app called Canva. So it's just a free app. It's really easy. Um, it's just, you find the image, you, you know, cut it and copy paste it into kind of just one page altogether. So it's a bit like Photoshop, but it's super, super user-friendly. And yeah, it's just, it kind of is, I've done it for every room really, just to check and just to run it past my husband, Ben, as well, because he's, he's kind of more into more classic things. And I kind of try and push the boundaries with him a bit. And I think for him to get a visual on it, it makes him feel, you know, more confident to do it. Canva is such a useful little website for mood boarding, mostly because it's really simple to use. But I also love to use Keynotes, which is just on most people's computers and you can just drop in images. I think it's a really good way of communicating your interior goals, but also don't be afraid of taking swatches or asking for samples of tiles, slices of wood so that you can put everything together in front of you because you really need to see the textures and the finishes right in front of you. Plus, like Alexandria said, it's really important to match your tiles and your grout. So you want to avoid making expensive mistakes. And I feel like you can do that when you're seeing everything physically in front of you. But back now to Lizzie to find out about how she chose her tiles, how she fitted them and how she's looking after them. 
And what did you think of in terms of finishes and and shapes and size? Were you kind of quite prescriptive about exactly what you wanted for each room? Yeah, so I knew that I wanted kind of the long line tiles um, in the ensuite in the loft, um, but I wanted to put them vertically rather than horizontally and not in a brick pattern. Um, and I kind of knew that I wanted to experiment. We've got pink grout in there as well. So I kind of experimented that way with different colours of grout because the rooms kind of, I think sometimes bathrooms can be quite clinical and I just wanted it to be you know a a room an interesting room and somewhere I enjoyed being um so I knew that kind of that's the way I wanted to lay it in in that room and then when we come to I guess the hexagonal tiles um all the tiles were square or rectangle in the house um so I just wanted to kind of add another layer of texture and they're plain they're not they're not patterned um and I think that they started off as pink and because they're cement uh tiles they've kind of getting a lovely they're aging and they're changing and they get a lovely patina on them and they almost look like a kind of pinky terracotta and yeah we just kind of wanted to try a different kind of material different kind of tile and a different shape just to add that extra texture and have you done the tiling in your house yourself or did you get somebody in <laughs> well um we did for the main bathroom we um we had a we did everything that they say you should do we got some quotes we um we went for a tiler that had been recommended by a friend um and we looked at some of his work he sent us some photos and in the beginning I said to him have you done herringbone before because I'm not a tiler and I can imagine that they're kind of a pretty tricky tile to to lay especially on a on a wall he was like yes 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 I've done it before I've done it before so first he laid the uh, floor tiles and they were just normal geometric square pretty easy and then he came on to do the the herringbone on the wall and he'd maybe used three boxes of tiles and then went home for the day when we came in we looked and we said let's go and see what you know the progress has been on the on the bathroom came in had a look at the wall Something's not quite right. Ben got his laser level out and he'd laid three whole boxes of tiles. So quite a, quite a few runs, um, four centimetres off level. So it looked like the wall was slipping, like the tiles were slipping off the wall. So we had to smash them all off the wall. We'd never heard from the guy again. He just left. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah, so we tried to, that night, we're like, right, let's call him. We have to start again. And we just never heard from him again. Never heard from him, ghosted us. Ghosted by our own Tyler. Oh my goodness, Lizzie, that's awful. I know. So, so that at that point when Ben was kind of smashing them off the wall and we just said, let's just give it a go ourselves because how hard can it be? You know, let's, um, let's just try and tile ourselves. So the next rooms that we did, um, I guess that's a, that's a bit unfair because it was lockdown. So another reason why we tiled ourselves is because you couldn't get a tiler because uh, everyone was staying at home. So, so yeah, after that happening, after the, the tiler cowboy builder and then yeah lockdown we just thought let's give it a crack ourselves and we didn't make it easy for ourselves because I mean tiling for a novice I guess is is pretty difficult anyway but the um the hexagonal tiles on the wall they're so heavy because they're made out of cement so we started laying them and then again they just started sliding down just as as Ben and I were tiling them so he had to really quickly react and drill screw put screws into the wall just to support the weight of them so yeah, there's so many things to think about. So it is, it is not a, it's not as easy as painting, that's for sure. Oh my goodness. I mean, what's the main thing that you've learned DIY tiling that you can kind of pass on to somebody else? Um, I guess the, the, the worst thing I think about tiling, other than that it's a great big, when it's a shaped tile, it's like a giant jigsaw puzzle. It's like a maths equation. Other than that, um, the adhesive goes off really quickly. So if you're a novice tiler, then you're probably working quite slowly. So we learned the hard way after several pans of hard adhesive that 
we need to make it up in smaller batches. So I just say make it up in smaller batches. Don't don't rush it because, yeah, like I say, it's a, it's a big maths game and you don't want to make a mistake that way. So just making the adhesive in smaller batches and working more slowly is definitely something that we kind of learned the hard way for sure. I mean, laying them sounds like a labour of love, but I reckon sourcing them was also a labour of love. Where do you go about finding all of these dream tiles on your lovely mood board? As I mentioned, we'd renovate the whole house, so we didn't have an endless budget. So, and we had every. It wasn't like we could just wait and save and do a room when we managed to save because everything needed doing at the same time. So, I'd probably look at the the top tile companies. I love Burton May, um, love Otto Tiles. I'd look at all these kind of, you know, really famous and really um, expensive, beautiful tile manufacturers, um, and then I'd try and find a budget option. <laughs> so, I knew that um, I wanted to pink hexagonal I knew that I wanted them to be cement so it's just google image getting samples finding them cheaper I actually got these from a great company called best tile um, and they're based in Ireland it still worked out cheaper paying for the cement tiles to be shipped over than they would have been from you know one of the more well-known manufacturers or kind of vendors but yeah it's just you have to kind of try and cut those corners where you can and try and save on budget I feel like one thing that people don't spend as much time thinking about when they are buying or installing tiles is the grout and the colour. I think we're so used to just grout being colour A, B and C, but actually when you research grout, like there's a plethora of amazing grouts that you can choose from. So how did you choose your grouts for your tiles? So I think the only place that we've got a coloured grout is in the the loft ensuite. Um, and it was, I hadn't really seen that many coloured grouts around. And it's not really something that you can test because you have to, you know, knock the batch of the grout up and then you have to kind of see the colour and wait for it to dry. And you have to buy them in quite big bags. So we got, I kind of knew I wanted a pink. We went for a rose pink um, on, on a white kind of metro tile. Yeah, so we went uh, to Tops Tiles and they had a few different colour options um, and you can't test them. You just have to rely on this, on the colour they've got on the bag or the swatch that they've got there. So we went for a rose pink, just went for it really, um, came back and when you apply it, it comes in, a lot, it lays a lot darker than what it looks like on the bag. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't like an easy experience for me when uh, Ben had um, added the grout. I came home and was like, it's brown it's brown it's not pink it's brown and he was like no just wait it takes a while to dry and I was like I can't believe it literally crying just saying it looks brown it's brown and then the next day obviously it dried pink and it was great but yeah it's quite daunting with that I think maybe there's a little gap in the market maybe they should do kind of little grout sachets that you can just knock up at home and and try yourself so you don't have to kind of cry and cry to cry yourself to sleep because you've chosen a brown grout by accident in terms of caring for your tiles are there any any maintenance rules that you live by um okay full disclosure having cement and caustic tiles is similar to having a newborn baby um you have to seal them 10 times as much as many times as you can to stop them being so porous so there was a lot of pre-maintenance there's a lot of you know uh, you have to take extra care when you're laying them and after there's quite a lot of maintenance as well so yeah you have to seal them 10 or 12 times before you lay them you have to be really careful when you're laying them not to get kind of get the grout on the surface of the tile and then interrupt the pattern and then after you need to seal them again and you need to kind of reseal them every two to three years and yeah, so I, I I definitely think that it's not for cement tiles are not for someone that really loves that kind of really clean line, modern, shiny tile. It's something that you have to love the way that they change and they get worn and and they they just age over time. 
I love the idea of home as a canvas for collecting treasures and have always been obsessed with finding objects for my home that feel unique, functional and beautiful. After years and years of internet searching, hunting high and low for the best homeware artisans and makers, I really struggled to find somewhere where all of these things were curated in one place. This was where the idea for Glassette began, who also happened to be another sponsor of this podcast. Last year, along with Dan, my brother-in-law, I launched Glassette, the new destination to shop all things home. Glassette is a treasure trove full of beautiful homeware from the UK's best and most creative independent brands that will not blow your budget. From artful prints for your gallery wall to intricately hand-blown glassware for dinner parties, we've considered every moment of a life well-lived at home. My favourite thing about Glassette is that you can make a wish list for practically anything, whether it's a mood board for a room in your house, a wedding registry, I mean I don't know about you but I'd much rather a checkerboard rug than a microwave, or a shopping list for your next dinner party and then you can share it with your friends and family wherever they are for them to shop from it too. Gift giving and receiving just got way more exciting. Head to glassette.com and follow us at Glassette on Instagram for inspiration, weekly new arrivals and interior design tips and tricks from the most stylish homemakers I know. Those that follow me will know how fraught life can be, but I've got the perfect solution for living a little bit calmer. And that's by our sponsor, Grass & Co. Life can sometimes feel quite overwhelming, if I'm honest. However, I've been enjoying how Grass & Co. Premium CBD Oil has really helped calm the noise of everyday life. CBD is a natural extract of the hemp plant, which is both legal and non-intoxicating. Grass & Co. deliver the highest quality CBD infused with absolutely delicious, naturally sourced botanicals. There are three ranges, Calm, Rest and Ease. My personal favourite right now is definitely the Calm range. It blends CBD with ashwagandha, chamomile and mint with vitamin B5 that helps support mental performance and relaxation. Personally, the way that I've worked this into my routine is to take a few drops of the CBD oil and put them under my tongue in the morning to prepare me for the day. It's really helped me stay calm and more focused. I might even add a few drops at night as well to help drift me off to sleep. But they've got this amazing pillow spray that's got some wonderful tranquil aromatherapy scents that do help drift me off most nights. Now for the good bit. So Grass & Co have offered listeners to this podcast an exclusive 25% off their order via their website using the code LAURA25. What a deal. Listen, you just got to go to the website, grassandco.com, and put in L-A-U-R-A and then the number 25 to start your own karma journey today. Honestly, I can't wait for you guys to try it. Okay, true story. I once tried to lay my own tiles in the bathroom upstairs because I wanted this kind of checkerboard floral pattern, which I was trying to replicate from a bathroom called Estella, which is an amazing restaurant in New York. I failed miserably and then had to get a professional tiler in. So I know that we need to speak to a professional tiler in this episode. So I'm really happy that Ken is here to give his words of wisdom. Ken Hudson is a tiler by trade and absolutely does not miss a beat when it comes to those finer details. He's actually built a huge following on Instagram, showing people exactly how tiling should be done. So if you're looking to hire in a tiler or have a go yourself, take notes. Hi, Ken. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do? 
Hi, hello, Laura. Um, I am a tiler. I've been tiling for over 20 years now. I've been doing tiling. Um, learned my trade in Jamaica. Um, been over here for 20-something years, and I've just been tiling ever since. Well, 20 years, you are definitely an experienced tiler. <laughs> what are your favourite ways in which tiles can be laid, and what are the different options that we could possibly have? Um, in regards to, to, to tiles, over five years, tiling has changed so much that it's unbelievable in regards to pattern, larger format tiles, different type of mosaics, and the graphics. Everything has changed so much um, in tiling. But um, for me, what I kind of love most is I think you doing a doing a feature wall with an airborne pattern could that always makes your job um look different, unique. Um I know larger tiles are very popular at the moment. I do a lot of it. I like it, but for me having like an airborne feature wall is something that I, I quite like um more. And as, you know, in your professional opinion, what is it like to work with the different types of materials with with tiles? So you've got, you know, your stone, your porcelain, your wood, your ceramic. Do you need to kind of treat them differently when you're fitting each of these? Uh, 100%. Because, say, um, a ceramic is a bit a softer material. Porcelain is very hard. Um, stone, some of it can be soft as well. But... Because stone work, it needs a lot more patience because it's a natural product. So in regards to sealing, making sure you use the right adhesive, drying all times and stuff like that. So with stone, it's a different, different um, scenario when it, in regards to tiling. Like ceramic, probably is a bit easier to use, porcelain. But then when you come on to stone, it's definitely, definitely a different, you have to you know, know about the product, as I said, because it's a natural product. So it's very easy um, to go wrong with it. What do you think are the, are the easiest and what are the hardest tiles for you to work with? The easiest tile, I'd say ceramic tiles are a bit more easier to work with. Porcelain is a bit harder to work with because it's so solid porcelain. So when you're drilling it, when you're cutting it, it's so solid, so it's much harder to work with. But I'd say ceramic could be much easier to work with along with as i say earlier stone is not the easiest um material to work with because it's a natural product so you kind of have to know how to work with it so i'd say between porcelain and stone would be the hardest and ceramic would be the easiest to work with for people that want to approach tiling themselves what kind of tips would you give anybody that you know is, is on the diy train Okay, so the first thing I would say to them is, in, I know that a lot of DIYs, what they look for is they go on YouTube and they probably go on social media. The main bit, if you're doing something like that, I would say to any one of them is having the right tools. Having the right tools because the problem you get as a DIYer, they're thinking, oh, if I invest in a cutter that costs a £1,000 or £500, well... You know, what am I going to do with it after? So sometimes they end up getting a cheaper tool that they can actually get rid of when the job is done or you know, it could pass on. But that cheaper tool would not give them the quality cut that they need to do the job. One of the most important things about work 
for tiling is prep work. If you prep it right, no matter how good it is as a tiler, your tiling will never look right. Your prep work has to be right. So if you have uneven walls, unfortunately, the tiling is going to still be uneven. You can't really, you know, get it out. So I'd say you have to um, start off from the beginning. Do you think that you can spot the difference between an expensive and a cheap tile? Yes. Over 20 years, you develop that look. <laughs> the problem that we have is with tiles on the market, there's a lot of tiles that you can, you look at it, you could see it because it has to do with like the edges, if it's chamfered and if it's rectified. Rectified is very important because rectified mean that you could use like a two mil spacer and it keep the joints um, really tight. When it's not rectified, which is a cheaper version, because what they were doing years ago was unrectified tile, you could get it cheaper, and a rectified tile is more expensive. So um, that's the biggest difference you will find. And, and as soon as you see the tile, you know it's not rectified, so you know that it's a cheaper tile. Tiling has gone now. You could get a tile now, Laura, for a thousand pounds, one tile, porcelain tile. They come in three meter um, by 1.5. And they're going for probably between six to a thousand pounds for one sheet of tile. So I mean, that is wild. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you can go to your local high street and obviously get an amazing tile, but then the other side of tiling is these beautiful big houses where they're paying a thousand pounds for one actual tile. I yeah, mean, that's something. That, that, yeah, a thousand pounds for a single tile. I mean, literally, what is the world coming to? That is mad. Um, also, how interesting about rectified tiles. I'd actually never heard of this before, um, and I did a little bit more um, looking into it. So it's essentially where the tiles are cut into more consistent shapes and a consistent size so that the grouting looks neater. I suppose if you wanted a more rustic or vintage look from your tiles, you could save a bit of money for going for tiles that aren't rectified. But yeah, I'd never heard of it before. Whilst we're on the topic of grouting, we've heard Alexandria's tips on choosing grout and making sure you get the right style. And we've heard that Lizzie had a small meltdown after she thought her pink grout was brown. So let's get Ken's thoughts on how important a good grout is. Grout is one thing that I always think is an afterthought for people, but it's such a big part of tiling. Do you think that we need to splash the cash in this area or can we go for a cheap and cheerful grout? I always think that you need to buy the, the best grout on the market as possible. I'd say grouting is one of the most important part of tiling, I'd say, because if you choose the wrong grout, so I say a grout Laura, with higher pigment, it's easier to discolor. And one of the biggest problems you will get is grout that's discoloring. So what we do, most of our projects are iron projects, so we recommend a epoxy grout, which doesn't discolor and it doesn't stain. For that reason, you pay a bit more money, but you get a grout for 25 years, won't get discolored, and it won't change. I uh, see so much jobs, you go in, and you see the grout, and it's like, oh my, the, grout, the job could look brilliant, but if the grout isn't right, that's it, you know? So that's why I think grout plays a very big part of tiling. Oh, I mean, if you get the grout wrong and you have to re-grout is that a big job do you have to literally take all the all the tiles off the off the wall no so there is a tool that you could actually recut the grouts the line from the grout is a lot of work but you could actually cut recut it and then you could actually um regrout it so that would be the easier way of doing it but you have to be very careful very very careful not to damage the edge of the tile 
but that's the way I'd recommend doing it. Ah, so, okay, it's not the end of the world, but that doesn't mean it's cheap or easy to fix. Before I wrapped up my conversation with Ken, as I do with most of the tradespeople we have on the podcast, I had to ask how he would spot a cowboy so that you're aware of the red flags when instructing a tiler. How do you know if somebody is a good tiler or a bad tiler? If you're getting a quote and someone comes around to your house, what, I mean, are there any red flags to look out for? One of the main bit is if he says he could start tomorrow. <laughs> if, he says, <laughs> if he says he can start tomorrow, you know that ooh, that is a red flag because most stylists that's busy, they have a long waiting list. Like we are booked up to next year this time. So because we keep super busy because we do good work. If a tyler comes in and he, I could start tomorrow, you're looking at him, I'm like, wait, whoa, this isn't right. So that's one of the main signs you should look for. And then the other thing is just the way he presents himself because a lot of tilers will, if a client say to you, do this that way, and um, you know as a tiler, it doesn't look good that way, you should say it doesn't look good that way and you should take the job and make it look the best you can. So a lot of the times what keep us busy is if we see something, it might take longer, but if we see something can make the project look better, we will always try and do that. It doesn't matter if it takes a bit longer, if it's going to look better in the long run, then, you know, so that's one of the things um, that you, you look out for, you know. So if he's going to say, oh, yeah, we just started as it is, then you know, uh, you know what, that's not the right person for you. You want to hear him, he's going to say, you know what, we're going to try our best to move this, that. We're going to make the niche that. And then that's when you're saying to yourself, okay, yeah, he's the right person for your project. Mm. What, are the, what are the common signs of bad tiling, would you say? The, one of the worst ones is, um, we call it cookie lane, dap and dabbing, the one where they spot fix. Um, so they put like used chunks of dabs on the back of the tile and they install the tile that way. That is one of the biggest killers in the industry because as soon as you do that and you turn it on the floor, eat it on, those tiles actually come back up. And I've seen clients that's actually cried, living tears, after doing a project that values uh, 30000 had to rip out by the kitchen, everything to redo it because of that insulation. And it's not only one, two, it's many, many clients is in that situation where they've floor go down and within uh, four months, the grout line starts to crack the tiles start to come back up. You take one up, you could see a spot fix. One of the worst things you could ever do to a client. So is that one thing that we should be looking for then if you are thinking about using a tiler, asking them what their process is for, for like laying the, the tiles? One of the main things, because my page on Instagram, I talk about it a lot because I've seen the pain of clients. So it's something I have I spoke about a lot because I saw the pain of clients like literally crying in front of me when their floor has failed. So I talk about it a lot. I try to make, you know, bring awareness to it. So I've had clients ring me to say, oh, their tile has started to tile and they see they start to dab. And they're like, no, Ken said, it's not the right way of doing it. <laughs> Get out my house. <laughs> you might have got the memo by now, but I'm a bit of an interiors obsessive. And our sponsor, Archive, has always provided me with plenty of inspiration. I've always dreamt of owning a house and used to fantasize about the interiors that it would have. After years of saving, we finally went searching for our dream home. 
We walked into the most perfect house, which had this Sanderson country trail wallpaper from 1979 in the living room. I instantly fell in love. Although this wallpaper is over 30 years old, there's something so now about the print. I've absolutely loved designing this room with my furniture against the vintage print. There is something so romantic about the history that the walls have. To my delight, I've recently discovered that the Sanderson Design Group have created a new brand called Archive that really breaks the barriers between heritage and modern. They've cherry-picked designs from their archive and reimagined them in riotous colour combinations for the ultimate maximalist look. You can find some serious interior inspiration on their Instagram at archive underscore SDG. And you can shop their reimagined designs for curtains, cushions, wallpaper, lighting. I mean, literally, that's my dream shopping list. And for a limited time, if you use the code LAURA10, that's L-A-U-R-A and the number 10, you will get a 10% discount. Great, right? You are just going to love everything. Let me know what you get. What an absolute joy Ken is. Can he be my Tyler, please? His socials, along with Lizzie's and Alexandria's, are linked in the show notes of the episode in case you're looking for more tiling inspiration, tips and tricks. A huge thank you to our guests who have hopefully helped you in choosing your tiles wisely. And please don't forget, no dab tiling and no last-minute grout purchases like me, please. For more interiors advice, head to our Instagram page, which is at So How Do You Podcast, and check out our other episodes because whether you're renting or renovating, there is so much more inspiration that you can implement into your home, from wallpaper to houseplants. We've got plenty of expert advice just for you. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Laura Jackson, and that's how you tile.